You are Locked On Raiders, your daily Oakland Raiders podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Just win. The autumn wind is a pirate, blustering in from sea. With a rollicking song, he sweeps along, swaggering boisterously. His face is weather beaten. He wears a hooded sash with a silver hat about his head and a bristling black mustache. He growls as he storms the country, a villain big and bold. Trees all shake and quiver and quake as he robs them of their gold. The autumn wind is a raider, pillaging just for fun. He'll knock you round and upside down and laugh when he's conquered and won. And won. And won. What up, Raider Nation? Welcome into Friday's edition of the Locked On Raiders podcast on this Valentine's Day. February 14th, 2020. Your boy Q here. Hopefully uh, you've been enjoying all week long. We've been doing the Ultimate Division crossover, and today is the final day. We will do this again in June uh, when it's time for, like, uh, OTAs and all that good stuff once you know what happens in free agency, once you already know what happens in the draft, and uh, kind of take another look at the at the teams in, in whole. Uh, we're going to do that again in June. So today will be the last edition of the Ultimate Division crossover. Be talking all things Broncos, all things Raiders, all things Chargers, and all things Chiefs. And uh, give it a little Valentine's Day edition on that. So that'll be in segment number one, two, and three. But you know I like to sprinkle in a little bit of stuff of my own, so I'm going to do that. A little bit of news and notes here in segment number one. Plus I got some text messages straight off that Locked On Raider podcast. Voicemail line 707-654-4693. Not going to get to all the text messages. Probably won't get to all the calls that I got because I got quite a few. But definitely will sprinkle them in throughout the show today. So let's go ahead and jump right into it. There was a report that came out from MMQB, Monday morning quarterback from Connor Orr. NFL free agency primer is what it's called, and his headline says, Gruden is getting ready to do something crazy. The quarterback market could get wild, position groups to watch, and the best bargains to be had. Again, this is from Monday morning quarterback. If you're on Twitter, it's at the MMQB, or you can find it on SI.com. Again, it's Connor Orr's piece talking about NFL free agency. It's also something that I retweeted, but uh, as I was going through it and as I was reading it, it basically boiled down to this. Uh, They're speculating and they're thinking that John Gruden, because he is a guy who loves veteran quarterbacks, and there are veteran quarterbacks out there available, uh, it looks like at least, Tom Brady, Phillip Rivers, Ryan Tannehill, those are going to be guys that John Gruden may target. And it references his time with Tampa Bay when he had uh, Jeff Garcia on the roster and he was targeting Brett Favre and he thought that he had Brett Favre all the way locked up. And basically it's just an infatuation of John Gruden and the, the quarterback position and how he loves veteran quarterbacks, how he won the Super Bowl with Brad Johnson in Tampa Bay, how he made Rich Gannon into a league MVP, or at least those two working together turned into a league MVP. So it's basically a lot more speculation on just a veteran quarterback and how Derek car could be on his way out for one of those guys and so I just caution you to know that don't take it for a whole lot because it's not saying anything concrete it's not uh, citing anything that is as a matter of fact like this guy is quoted as saying John Gruden's going to go after Tom Brady or Phillip Rivers or Ryan Tannehill and look that's a name that I've been hearing associated with the Raiders a lot as well is Ryan Tannehill and look I'll tell you right now just because he had one good what half year and just because he was rewarded comeback player of the year and I, I very much uh disagree with that. I don't think he was comeback player of the year. I've said that many times. I definitely think that that was the Raiders tight end Darren Waller, but that's a whole nother conversation. Just because he caught lightning in a bottle for half the season with the uh, Tennessee Titans, 
does not mean all of a sudden his career is on a trajectory where he's going to become a league MVP and lead a team to a Super Bowl. I just don't believe that. Again, I feel like you kind of know who guys are. He spent plenty of time in Miami. We saw him in Miami have good moments, saw him in Miami have bad moments. Again, he's about to jump into his third contract. So if he's been in the league long enough to pick up a third contract, you know that he's kind of good. But he's not great. You know what I mean? And so I don't see why the infatuation with Ryan Tannehill, why everyone's so caught up in him. Uh, Tennessee really was was uh, carried by the run game and a really good defense. And, yeah, he made some throws. Don't get, I'm not trying to shortchange him and say he didn't make some throws, but he just didn't throw the ball around the yard. He wasn't the next coming to Patrick Mahomes or anything. You know, it's not like they had Kansas City's offense flying around in Tennessee. I mean, Derrick Henry was the workhorse. He led the league in rushing. I mean, come on. Give me a break. Give Derrick Henry a little bit of credit as well. And uh, Ryan Tannehill, he's going to go and try to get a big-time contract. But that's another name I've seen associated with the Raiders. And, and I tell you all this to tell you, just take it with a grain of salt. Don't really get caught up in all that. Just realize it's the offseason. Realize anything that has John Gruden's name, anything that has the Raiders' name, Tom Brady's name, is all really good clickbait. You know, and everyone's trying to get something to talk about. Everyone's trying to get some kind of conversation started. You know, just generate something because it's the it's the lull right now. You know, March 18th starts free agency. Then there'll be some facts. There'll be some real things that are going on leading up to free agency. You'll really hear who some of these teams may be targeting. Just like Vic Tafer said the other day that the Raiders, if uh, Chris Jones becomes available from Kansas City, they'll target him. That's something that's concrete. You know what I mean? Like, that's something that, okay, that makes sense. But just speculating because John Gruden has a success with veteran quarterbacks and has been successful in the past with veteran quarterbacks doesn't mean that he's going to go out to Tom Brady, Phillip Rivers, Ryan Tannehill, uh, Drew Brees, uh, insert this ex- next quarterback, who Jameis Winston, who else do you want? Marcus Mariota. I mean, there's a laundry list of guys, Matt Stafford. I mean, whatever you want to say, laundry list of guys doesn't mean he's going to go after him just because he's had a history with them. But that's kind of what that article was referencing. Again, it's the Monday morning quarterback, Connor Orr, NFL free agency primer. His headline reads, Gruden is getting ready to do something crazy. The quarterback market could get wild. Position groups to watch and the best bargains to be had. So, again, take it for what it's worth. It's good off-season conversation, I guess. It's good. Uh, think about it. Put it out there. Uh, maybe it's just you know one of those things that get your mind going a little bit. But I wouldn't take it too seriously until you start hearing some concrete evidence. Now, before we get into the first part of the Valentine's Day edition of the Ultimate Division crossover, want to read a couple text messages that I got off that Locked On Raider podcast voicemail line at 707-654-4693. California Dave says, Q, much love out to you. I'm digging the Ultimate crossover, but Rivers, better quarterback than Fouts? The only way Rivers sees the Hall of Fame is if he buys a ticket. And you know what? Rivers has no Super Bowls. You know, we talk about Rivers. We talk about Manning. Eli Manning will be in the Hall of Fame. He has two Super Bowl rings, took down the best team in the league, the Patriots, twice. That's going to put him in Canton. You're right about Phillip Rivers. He will not be in Canton. But uh, I, I get what you're coming from. And I know that, uh, you know, the Chargers guys, he was talking about uh, Phillip Rivers. And I'll just say it like this. That's the guy he saw. That's the guy he saw. He didn't have a lot of history with Dan Fouts, so that's why he's, uh, you know, he's, he's caught up and infatuated with Phillip Rivers. But thank you for that text, my man. Then the next text came from Raider Rashad. He said, yo, what up, Q? Raider Rashad here. Love this week's episodes. They're very, very informative and dope. Happy Valentine's Day to you, Q, and the wifey, and all of Raider Nation. And happy birthday to me. Whoop, whoop. LOL, turned 33 today. Happy birthday. So I do have one question for you. Do you know anything about the receiver from Florida, Van Jefferson? What's his draft stock right now? I think he's going to be a sleeper in the draft, and I would love for Sin City Raiders to draft him with one of the three third-round picks. 
Happy birthday again to you, my man. Uh, definitely appreciate the uh, Valentine's wishes. That's awesome. I do not know about Van Jefferson, but I will do my due diligence. I will do some digging, and I will find out. That's another name for me to put down on my radar, my list. And uh, like I said, I will do some due diligence, and we will have answers here on the Locked On Raider podcast. So thank you so much for that text. Now, with that being said, let's go ahead and jump into segment number one of the Ultimate Division crossover. You got Ryan Tracy from Locked On Chiefs. You got Cody Rourke from Locked On Broncos and Daniel Wade from Locked On Chargers. Of course, myself. It's the Valentine's Day special here on the Locked On Raiders podcast. What's up, everybody? Happy Friday from all of us over here in the Locked On AFC West Ultimate Division crossover. This week, you've heard from the Chargers, the Raiders, the Chiefs, and the Broncos. We've been discussing each team's outlook from the 2019 season all the way through the 2020 season. Now, today, we're taking a look at the broad spectrum of where these teams are going to be at. And it's Valentine's Day. And we just want to say that we love you guys. Uh, but we're going to analyze uh, the AFC. The Broncos are going to face a new division, the AFC East. We're going to talk about those opponents. And then we're also going to talk about the fact that the Broncos, the Chiefs, the Chargers, and the Raiders are going to be facing the NFC South as well. We're going to talk about how they might stack up against those teams. And because it's Valentine's Day, we're going to tell you guys who our Broncos, Chiefs, Chargers, Raiders, Valentine's player is who do we love in our organization and why? All in today's jam-packed episode of our Ultimate Division Crossover. I'm your York host of Lockdown Broncos. Joined today alongside Ryan Tracy, host of the Lockdown Chiefs podcast, alongside Dan of the Lockdown Chargers podcast, and as always, your boy Q, host of the Lockdown Raiders podcast. And ladies and gentlemen, I, I'm very excited. Obviously, fellas, happy Valentine's Day for you. Uh, make sure you guys take out your ladies tonight, your wives, your girlfriends, and uh, let's figure out what we're going to be diving into here today. And uh, look, I think the news, it's its simple. Uh, the AFC West is going to be taking on the AFC East this year, which includes the Buffalo Bills, the New England Patriots, alongside the Miami Dolphins and the New York Jets. So a, a string of uh, an interesting division, to say the least, obviously with a lot of change going. And uh, Ryan, let's kick things off with you in terms of the Chiefs against the AFC East. How do you think they might stack up against these four teams? You know, it's really interesting. And when I look at it overall, and I know we're going to talk about uh, the NFC South here in a little bit, and that that's still a question mark with the Drew Brees situation. But the Tom Brady situation is almost the same thing in New England. And for me, that leads me to believe that the, the biggest opponent that they have to worry about is the Buffalo Bills in terms of the AFC East. And that's just my perception. What do you guys think of the Bills and the whole uh, division itself. Um, I'll start things off here. I think the Buffalo Bills made tremendous strides from, I believe, Sean McDermott's second season all the way to now. I mean, when Josh Allen was a rookie last year, uh, you know, I think that there were some hits and some misses, but he looked like a better quarterback this year. He looked more comfortable. He had some weapons. Uh, obviously, you're talking about John Brown. He obviously had Cole Beasley as well, but the run game was something that led them away. Is too, And also, they had a pretty strong defense all across the board. Um, they are a competitive football team, and that heartbreaking loss that they had against the Houston Texans, I think that's something that's going to sit with them all offseason long. Um, they were they, they should have won that game. They had multiple opportunities, um, and then they just snowballed it where they turned it over, and then they couldn't get things going. I think that they're going to be back for revenge. I think Buffalo right now, in my opinion, is the early favorite to win the AFC East. Uh, even if they have Tom Brady back in the division or not, they have a strong football team all across the board right now, and I think they're going to reload and, and maybe look to even improve some of those positions. I agree. I agree. I think the Buffalo Bills are the team to beat right now in the AFC. AFC East for every reason that Cody just pointed out. I also think that the Jets and Dolphins are going to be much improved in 2020, uh, especially the Dolphins. I don't know what the Jets are going to do. I just think that they're got to be better. Uh, they just, they, I just think that you know Sam Darnold won't have the same issues that he had to start off the season, so he'll be uh, in the fold to begin things off and, and probably get off to a better start than they did in 2019. 
But I really believe in what Brian Flores is doing in Miami. I really, really do. I think he's going to be a really good head coach. And depending on how the draft shakes out for them, they have a lot of draft picks. I think they could really turn that roster around quick, fast, and in a hurry. They got some good pieces there already. So I think that they, they're going to be a much better team. But still, Buffalo is going to be the team, in my opinion, that's going to be the team to beat. Uh, Josh Allen, I like what he's doing, especially with his legs, able to keep plays alive. I think that's very uh, critical for what the NFL is doing now. So I look at the Buffalo Bills as a team to beat. I think the Patriots are going to kind of start to take their slide, even if they do have Tom Brady back in, in 2020. If they don't, if Jared Stidham's the guy in 2020, I'm really not too concerned about what they got going on. Still think they'll have a strong defense, but I think you'll start to see the Patriots start to slide off a little bit. So, uh, yeah, it should be it should be tough. I'm expecting probably the Raiders to, to go, I don't know, maybe 2-2, two and two. Maybe maybe three and one, but probably take an L to the Buffalo Bills in uh, in twenty twenty. Oh, but they're beating the Patriots, huh? All right. Well, I like that. I think we can all agree that um, we we will take a queen sweep of the Patriots inside the division. I think we can all get on board of a you know AFC West sweep of the Patriots. That'd be cool. But I think it has to be Buffalo. Just two teams trending in totally opposite directions. Even though it feels so weird to write off the Patriots, right? Just because it always seems like no matter what's going on over there even after a down year that they're just going to find some way to be competitive, find some way to go 11 and 5 next season and find some way to beat the Buffalo Bills and be the better team still somehow even though there's no way they shouldn't be. But I think this is a pretty, you know, up and down division for the AFC West to take on because I think you have two teams that we don't really know a lot from right now with the Miami Dolphins, especially, you know, if they end up taking if they end up taking Tua Tagovailoa in the draft and all of those things and the Jets just seem like a dumpster fire that you don't know which Jets team you're going to see from one week to another. So I think it's going to be a very interesting division to go up against this year and I'm excited to watch it. I think the Chargers will probably end up going about two and two against the division if I had to call it in February right now. Well, even taking a look at the Miami Dolphins, Brian Flores entering year number two as the head coach. They did not seem very competitive uh, outside maybe a few games. And some people were starting to think, are they tanking on purpose? Ryan Fitzpatrick, obviously, there. You know, just, they made a lot of changes. Even having Josh Rosen, they they completely, in my opinion, uh, they mishandled that situation. So for me, I feel as if the Miami Dolphins might make a little bit of a stride. Really, like you mentioned, depends on if they go with the Tua direction, his health, where they're holding up with that. Um, I think that would be an intriguing option. The New York Jets, I want to take a look at that as well. And uh, anything that's controlled by Adam Gase all turns to dust. And uh, I don't foresee them doing anything too big. They do have, I, like I said, I feel like Sam Darnold is an unfortunate benefactor of having to work with Adam Gase. Uh, he's just not a guy that's personable with his players in the locker room. Many Jets players feel that uh, they don't want to play for him, but they'll play for each other. So they're kind of keeping that glue together. But there's definitely some issues going on in that New York Jets locker room. And, you know, I think that uh, for those matchups, really depending on where it's at, um, taking a look at, I mean, the Broncos is going to be on the road against uh, the New York Jets. And they're also going to be home against Miami Dolphins. I feel like they can beat this division. I, I feel like they can go 3-1. and one. Buffalo is the biggest question mark for me as well. So, ladies and gentlemen, as we continue on here on this beautiful Valentine's Day all across the Locked On NFL Network all week long, you guys have been locked into our AFC West Ultimate Division crossover. And we're going to get into the NFC South coming up in just a moment, how the AFC West maybe stacks up against them in 2020. But before we do that, i got to remind you guys, if you have a Google Home device or you have the Google Assistant app on your cellular devices. You guys need to go in, go to your settings, change your news source to the Locked On Podcast Network, and every morning when you say, hey, Google, play me my news, you will receive Locked On Broncos, Locked On Chargers, Locked On Chiefs, Locked On Raiders in five-minute and 60-second updates on the daily news with those respective teams, and you guys don't want to miss it. Stay locked on with your Google Assistant today. 
All right, so there was part one right there, the Valentine's Day edition of the Ultimate Division crossover, talking teams that the Raiders will be playing. We'll talking teams that all the teams in the AFC West will be playing, uh, different divisions, taking a look at that. And that will continue in segment number two of the Locked On Raiders podcast. You are Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Oakland Raiders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team Every day. All right, here we are, Raider Nation, jumping into segment number two of today's Ultimate Division crossover, the Valentine's Day edition. Uh, again, paying attention to the Raiders, paying attention to the AFC West, different teams that the Raiders will be playing outside of the division. How do you think that the teams in the division will be stacking up against those teams? And obviously, in, in our case, particularly the Raiders. So let's go ahead and jump into it right now. All right, gentlemen, jumping back into this here, when we take a look at the Broncos, the Raiders, the Chargers, and the Chiefs, look, last time we recapped, they're going to be taking on the AFC West previously. Then they're going to be taking on an NFC team in another division, and that's going to be the NFC South, led by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Atlanta Falcons, the New Orleans Saints, and the Carolina Panthers. And this probably might be the toughest divisional matchups that I think that these teams will have to face this year. And really looking at Tampa Bay, where they were at with Bruce Arians, Shaquille Barrett, 19 sacks. I mean, they have some issues and questions at quarterback like some of the teams in the division. Atlanta, they're going through a resurgence period, trying to figure things out with Matt Ryan. Is he the guy for them going forward? New Orleans, is Drew Brees coming back? Is he not? And the Carolina undergoing a massive, massive rebuild. Uh, so I think this could open up some opportunities for some dialogue here. And Q, I'm going to have you start off here, my man. In terms of these teams, Tampa Bay, Atlanta, Atlanta, New Orleans, and Carolina. Which matchup do you feel like you're looking forward to the most from a Raiders perspective? Well, I'm, I'm interested to see personally what Carolina's going to do because, like you mentioned, they are going through a big rebuild. Matt Rule to, goes over from Baylor, goes over to Carolina as a first-time NFL head coach. He gets a lot of money. He's taking a lot of assistant coaches over there with him. And, uh, you know, you're starting to see veterans already retire or be released. Greg Olson's no longer there. Luke Keekley is retired. Cam Newton, is he going to be back? Who knows? That's a good question. You know, there's guys that are older in the tooth that all of a sudden aren't coming back for Carolina. So are they going to continue to make this purge and, and go younger, younger, younger? And since Matt Rule has so many years on his contract, does he have that opportunity to uh, you know just go ahead with the whole youth movement and try to build that thing up, which is what he traditionally has done every place he's been, Temple, Baylor, and now the Carolina Panthers. So that's one team that I'm very interested to see. And then Tampa Bay. I want to know who the quarterback's going to be. I, I believe it's going to be Jameis Winston, but are you going to keep him on a one-year deal, basically franchise him and see if he can cut back on the turnovers that he had in 2019 or do you go in another direction I mean Bruce Arians was brought in to get Jameis Winston right Bruce Arians has been able to get every quarterback right that he's ever worked with I mean it doesn't matter what team he's played or he's been a coach of uh, that quarterback has been uh, really good Carson Palmer in in, in, uh, in Arizona obviously at Peyton Manning in, uh, in in Indianapolis he worked with Ben Roethlisberger in, in Pittsburgh I mean the dude knows what he's doing when it comes to quarterback so can Jameis Winston be that guy. So those two teams right there are really intriguing to me. Also, those are two teams that I think that the Raiders should beat in 2020, just because it's a big unknown about them. Uh, The Saints are always going to be a tough team, regardless who the quarterback is. I I think it'll probably be Drew Brees, but if he's not back, will it be Teddy Bridgewater? Will it be Taysom Hill? Who's going to be the guy? And then Atlanta, I I never know what to expect from the Falcons. One year to the next. I don't know if they're going to be good, bad, ugly, what. I just don't know. So, Tampa Bay and Carolina, I'm most intrigued by. I think the Raiders could win those. Uh, New Orleans, I want to see who the quarterback's going to be, but I expect them to be good. And Atlanta, I just got a big question mark when it comes to them. Yeah, I think that's what makes Atlanta the wild card in this division, right? You just don't know what they're going to do. And I think it reminds me a lot of the Chargers. You know, it's like, is this the year that Atlanta finally puts it together? And they did for the 28-3 to Super Bowl game year. But that was with, I mean, Kyle Shanahan as well. And we you know, saw what happened with that in the Super Bowl. 
Well, I think with Atlanta, what team are you going to get when those two teams square up? Because, they, you know, they have Matt Ryan. We're not sure what's going on with that situation. Dan Quinn seems to be coming back for another season, which is super surprising. But I think that is the wild card in this division. And the team that when you go up against them, you're not sure which one it's going to be. And with the Saints, it will be very interesting to see if they can have it play out like they want to, or at least what it's been reported, have Drew Brees go for this season and have Taysom Hill, you know, stay under him for one more year and see what he can turn into the year after that. But even if that's the case, do we start seeing more of Taysom Hill? Is it more of a 70-30 split between those two guys? Those are the questions that I have specifically about the NFC South because I think it's going to be an exciting division and a very weird division. Well, I think the biggest thing, gentlemen, when I look at it, the biggest wild card, I'm looking to see what this Carolina Panthers team does. Are they going to keep Cam Newton around? Obviously, he didn't play at all in 2019, dealing with a lot of injuries for him. Uh, The biggest question, if they're undergoing this rebuild, if he's going to get a seven-year contract, Matt Rule, and obviously David Tepper really just cleaning house, Greg Olson, now a Fox analyst, and he's going to be covering the XFL, which has been very fun to watch so far for the first weekend. Um, But take a look at the Panthers. Anytime you undergo a massive rebuild – and a seven-year contract pretty much indicates that, look, we're going to give you at least three to four years to be able to get this right, and then after that, we'll see where we are at. Uh, do they keep Christian McCaffrey around? That's a big question. I mean, he was a guy that destroyed people in fantasy football, and in my honest opinion, I felt like he should have been the offensive player of the year, but uh, he got sorely overlooked. I mean, he was a guy that had over 1,000 yards rushing and uh, over 1,000 yards receiving. For the AFC West, he is going to be the probably key guy in those matchups that I think this team, that the teams look to game plan around and try to figure out. Um, that, to me, is going to be one of the biggest angles for there. And as you guys mentioned with New Orleans, not knowing what Drew Brees is going to do, you know, there's been reports by Jay Glazier that Taysom Hill is expected to be the franchise quarterback of the future for them. That's how the Saints view him. I still find that really hard to believe, considering that we saw Teddy Bridgewater play really well when Drew Brees was out with his injury. Atlanta, I mean, Julio Jones, Matt Ryan. I mean, Matt Ryan just got paid big buku bucks, but all of a sudden, you know, they're just not getting things going. Dan Quinn, there were some rumors he was going to be fired. They actually bring him back for 2020. Uh, I think this is going to be uh, some coverage matchups, taking a look at Julio Jones and obviously Michael Thomas for the Saints and Tampa Bay. You know, look at them, Mike Evans as well, Chris Godwin. I mean, they have a lot of options all across the board that I think are going to pose some really coverage uh, threats to the Broncos, the Chargers, the Raiders, and the Chiefs. So, ladies and gentlemen, wrapping up the NFC South side of things here on today's episode of our Ultimate AFC West Division Crossover. Uh, I'm Cody Work, host of Lockdown Broncos. Dan Wade, host of Lockdown Chargers, your boy Q of Lockdown Raiders. We've been talking about the AFC East, the NFC South. But coming up here in just a moment, we're going to transition to a little bit of a different note. We're going to be talking about the players that we love. It is Valentine's Day, and obviously uh, we want you guys to stay locked in. So don't forget to subscribe to Lockdown Broncos, Lockdown Chiefs, Lockdown Chargers, and Lockdown Raiders on your favorite podcast providers. All right, so that was segment number two right there. Hopefully you enjoyed that. Again, Cody Rourke from Locked On Broncos, Daniel Wade, Locked On Chargers, myself from Locked On Raiders, and Ryan Tracy wasn't able to uh, join us and finish off the show from Locked On Chiefs, but uh, he's with us in spirit as well, so definitely appreciate that. Before we get into segment number three, I want to go ahead and play a couple calls straight off that Locked On Raider podcast voicemail line. Joe in Arizona, call him because he has a question and a scenario he wants to speak on really quickly. Here he is, Joe in Arizona. Hey, Q, it's Joe in Arizona. Hey, man, last offseason, we talked about what would happen if the Raiders, uh, or if the city of Oakland had uh, decided to sue the Raiders and win win that lawsuit and keep the Raiders' name in Oakland, restart a, a team there. It was a good conversation, and I really enjoyed that one. 
but now I have another one for you. So the question I have, as someone who has watched the Raiders, grew up with the Raiders my entire life, and I vividly remember the tuck rule game, vividly, my question to you and to all of Raider Nation is if the rumors, which we don't think they're going to happen, it's just stupid rumors, but if the rumors were true and douchebag Tom Brady became a member of the Silver and Black, what is everyone's opinion on that? And how do we as a fan base support that giant douchebag. I personally will take a break from the NFL and from watching I don't know, man, I say it. As I say it, I don't know that I can, but I definitely cannot support Tom Brady as part of Raider Nation. Now again, I don't think it would ever happen. Same thing with Philip Rivers. I don't think he would ever make it they're old. They've spent their time. If they're going to stay in the league at all, I think they're going to... Uh, Brady will stay with Patriots, and Philip Rivers will have like a one-year deal with somebody. I think he should retire, personally. But that's a question for a different day. But again, I want everyone's opinion on the whole Tom Brady, free agency, anybody that might come to the Raiders as a quarterback. If... And it's a big if the Raiders parted ways with Derek Carr. Uh, what's your guys' opinion on it? Thank you. We'll talk to you then. All right, that kind of goes back to what I was talking about in segment number one about Tom Brady. But his question is, how would you support Tom Brady if he were to become a member of the Raiders? And I'll tell you, I don't think I would like it. I don't think a lot of Raider Nation would like it. But as fans, and fan is short for fanatic, fans would support Tom Brady. Again, they might not like it. They might not want to, but they would, especially if they felt like John Gruden and Mike Mayock could be onto something and that could help get them over the top. As starving for a championship as Raider Nation is, I guarantee you, I guarantee you, as every one of us started supporting Antonio Brown, as every one of us supported Vontez Burfitt, as every one of us supported Bruce Irvin, as every one of us supported Warren Sapp. I mean, I go on and on and on. Guys that Raider Nation were not really particularly big fans of, but definitely started to support once they put the silver and black on. You might not like it, but you will support it. That's something I guarantee. But thank you so much for that call, Joe. Next up in the final call for segment number two is from NorCal Raider in the 530, calling to talk about the offseason and how he hopes the Raiders address the backup quarterback position. Here he is, NorCal Raider in the 530. Hey, Q's is Norcal Raider out of the 530. Uh, just, uh, you know, listening to today's podcast, you know, good podcast, you know. Um, I was enjoying it. Been enjoying it the last few days. Um, one thing, just, just thinking about, just thinking about the offseason. <clears throat> um, mostly thinking about, you know, we have our starting quarterback, you know, Carr, but I'm hoping that they, um, make a, make an addition in there. And, um, as a backup quarterback, um, you know, but potentially, you know, get a good uh, backup quarterback. Like, you know, there's guys out there, you know, like I can't think of his name. Um, you know, even the Niners have Mullins. I think the thing is like a third string. They're probably not going to use him unless he's use better. You know, a guy that we could develop. I'm not really a big fan of uh, of our backup quarterbacks. Like, it actually worries me a lot because potentially what happens in the, during this draft and, you know, any of those quarterbacks could probably end up being starting, like just depending on what happens if they trade cars or something like that, you know, um, 
I don't want to see, I don't want to see, um, can't think of his name, the guy from uh, the Browns. Um, I don't want to see him starting. And also, um, you know, Nate, Nathan Peterman, I mean, you know, Mr. Big Six, you know, I'm not really a big fan of, but, um, you know, I'm just thinking about, that, that kind of worries me a little bit because we keep talking about quarterback, but we don't even have a, we don't have anybody that's really like, that's really we, we looked at and said, hey, you know, this guy's going to replace him. Or like, you know, he want to replace Carr. I'm like, but what? You have nobody. Even even the potential draft pick is still a prospect. You still get him and you still have to develop him and who knows how they even play. But if the guy comes in, they're caught in the, in the, in the preseason and it looks well, you know, um, you know, we'll see how it goes. But and then, then, then you have to, then you have to make a decision by week eight. You know, you might want to trick Carr, you know, depending on what happens. But, um, yeah, just, um, that's mostly what I was just thinking about. Just mostly the quarterback position. I think that's pivotal this, this offseason and just defense, you know. But, um, yeah, um, go Raiders. Uh, keep up with the work. Yeah, I'm with you, man. I'm not a fan of the Raiders' current backups either. Nate Peterman, Sean Kaiser, Mike Glennon, none of those guys are worth the salt to me. They definitely need to grab a guy and try to develop him. Uh, everyone knows I've been looking for a, a third-round guy. I've been looking in the third round thinking that the Raiders need to do that. For my money, it's Jalen Hurts, but I know everybody's not on board with that, and that's okay. That's okay. Again, when I said it, the day I said that Jalen Hurts was going to be my guy, I said I'm going to stick with him th- throughout it all, and uh, I'm going to do that. So Jalen's my guy. We'll see what the Raiders do, but they definitely need to address that. So th- thank you very much for that call. Coming up in segment number three, we're going to close out the Ultimate Division crossover, talking about players that are past and present that you love. And again, it's the Valentine's theme right here on the Locked On Raiders podcast. You are Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Oakland Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, here we are jumping into the final segment of today, final segment of the week, Ultimate Division Crossover, last day of this. And uh, let's go ahead and jump right into it. Who do you love as far as current players or past players within the division, your team, uh, all that good stuff right now. Valentine's Day edition, segment number three, Ultimate Division Crossover here on the Locked On Raiders podcast. Okay, gentlemen, jumping into a fun segment here on Locked On AFC West Ultimate Division Crossover. Uh, it's Valentine's Day, so for all of us, we're going to be taking an in-depth look all across the board on our respective teams for players that we love. And this could be a current player. It could be a, a star player of the past. It could be a backup player um, who has a very big role. Um, and then we can maybe little analyze a little bit about maybe what it would look like if one of those teams were somewhere else. And so taking a look at things first, Ryan Tracy had to dip out of here, but Ryan Ryan mentioned his Valentine for the Chiefs side of things would be Patrick Mahomes and Anthony Sherman. He says, make fullbacks great again. I'm a big believer in the fullback position, Andy Janovich. Uh, John Gruden and, and Q, obviously you know a little bit too about the fullback position, uh, the Charters, and obviously uh, one of the Watt brothers there at the fullback position. Uh, so the fullback position is super important. Worthy of a Valentine's Day consideration? I'd, I'd maybe say so, but I don't want to take the cake here. Q, I want to start things off with you. If you had to look at it from a Raiders standpoint, who would be your Valentine? Who is it that you love? Well, I mean, it's got to be Josh Jacobs. It's got to be the young man that should have won Offensive Rookie of the Year, but he didn't. Uh, Kyler Murray ended up getting that award, but that's another conversation for another day. Josh Jacobs came in and proved that he could be a, a starter in the league and he could be that every down back for the Raiders and really just took over the league. He's a tough dude, uh, played with a separated shoulder from like week seven uh, on. I mean, he, he played for weeks on top of weeks with a, a separated shoulder. Matter of fact, it might have been for seven weeks. So he was I don't know. Anyway, it was a long time that he was playing with this shoulder injury and just uh, kept going out there week in and week out and playing and performing at a very high level. So Josh Jacobs has got to be my guy. 
I'm expected to see him, his role expand in 2020. Uh, he did a lot of carrying the ball, but he didn't get a lot of receiving the ball out of the backfield. I'm expecting that part of his game to be implemented into the game plan moving forward for John Gruden and company. I just think that's another weapon that he is able to do. He's, he's not a one-trick pony. He's able to catch the ball out of the backfield. He's able to block really well. I mean, he, he was at Alabama, and he did some good things, and he wasn't even the starter. So now he's going to have to expand his game and, and just improve on on what he did in his rookie year, and now all of a sudden take it to the next level. So I, I mean, when I look at as someone that that I'm going to love and, and and give a Valentine's love to or shout out to, it's got to be Josh Jacobs, just because everything he was able to do his rookie year and everything I expect him to do moving forward for the Raiders for years to come. Yeah, I love that. I mean, I love Josh Jacobs too. I mean, he can come to the Chargers anytime. You have to love the way he plays. I mean, he just has a fun style to him. The way he finishes off runs and the way he seems to be like a smaller guy that can either. He lower his shoulder on you or get around you one way or the other. I like that pick a lot. For the Chargers, I'm also going to go with a current player, and I'm also going to go with a young player, and that is Derwin James. Because when you think about the Chargers, I mean, the Chargers mascot is what? Electricity? I mean, electricity defines Derwin James because that's just the way he plays. It's not just the stats that he's put up, even though he has put up dominant stats when he's been on the field, but it's just the energy that he brings. And going into last season when he was a rookie, there was a soundbite that came out from Melvin Ingram, who has been one of the vocal leaders on this team. And he basically said, hey, Derwin James can say he's a leader and everything else, but that's not for him to decide. I mean, he has to earn the respect from his teammates to be a local leader, or to be a vocal leader. You have to earn that respect from your teammates. And I think in this short time, in a season in five games, that Derwin James has been on the Chargers, he's had that effect on not only the other Chargers players, but the fan base. I mean, he's a fan favorite. He does everything well. He rushes the passer. He's great in coverage. He is so good at tackling for the Chargers. I mean, that has been such a sore spot from them. He's a guy that can get downhill in a hurry and make a big hit that is going to energize the crowd and energize a fan base. He's just such an exciting player. The one thing I would like to see the Chargers do more with him is blitz him more because in his first season, we saw that at very effective especially against a guy like Patrick Mahomes. You know, if you're worried about having contain on Patrick Mahomes, then sending a guy like Derwin James, who he's not going to be able to get around, is something that has worked very effectively. So my Valentine's Day, the love from me has to go to Derwin James because it's not just the fact that he's already one of the best safeties in the NFL. It's just the way he plays and the type of energy and leadership that he brings to the Chargers. I, I certainly agree with that, and, and I'll dive a little bit deeper on that here in a little bit. But uh, in terms of the Broncos, when I take a look at it, somebody that I love that I think is so valuable to this football team is Von Miller. And every year he's subject to trade rumors that are created by these false media accounts being spread out there. Uh, but Von Miller has been the most valuable player in this Broncos franchise um, dating back. I, I would say if you take a look at value, I would rank obviously Peyton Manning coming in as being one of those big value ones. But Von Miller has become that type of value to the Broncos, what Peyton Manning used to be for the Colts and what he was for the Broncos when he was there in his stint. Von Miller is a guy that, uh, in my opinion, can change the game at any point in time. He's elusive. He's strong. He's versatile. He's sneaky. He can dip his shoulder and get around you very quickly. And uh, he's got a lot of respect from a lot of tackles, opposing tackles and offensive coordinators all across the National Football League. He'd be one that I would select as my Bronco that I love and that I adore as a Broncos player and the value he brings to the football team. But gentlemen, I want to switch things up here for a second. Uh, now I'm going to switch the cards for you. If you had to choose, if you had to pinpoint a player on another team within the division that you admire, that would be a Valentine you from the other team, 
Who would it be? And Q, I'm going to put you on the spot first, my friend. And then Daniel, I'm going to put you on the spot. From the, another team in the AFC West, who would be a Valentine that you select? Well, I think the easy answer for everybody would be Patrick Mahomes. I mean, I really think that that's the easiest answer just because of everything that he brings to the table and, and the way that he's uh, you know been an MVP in the league. He's been a Super Bowl MVP. He's only been a starter two years in the league. I think that's the easy answer. So I'm not going to go with that one. I'm going to stick with the Kansas City Chiefs, though. And I'm going to say McCole Hardman. And I like him because he was the guy who was selected when the Chiefs thought that they were about to lose Tyreek Hill. When he got into all kind of off-the-field issues, thought that they were going to lose him, thought he was going to be suspended. So basically, they drafted him to replace Tyreek Hill. And lo and behold, they decided, or they found out, that Tyreek Hill wasn't going to get suspended at all. It wasn't going to be in any kind of trouble. And oh, now you got another weapon. So they kind of lucked into that situation. But McCole Hardman is a guy that not only is he a really good wide receiver, he's a guy that is a special team ace. He's a guy who can flip the field for you quick, fast, and in a hurry if you uh, kick the ball off to him. He's a guy you got a game plan for because he will take the ball back. And uh, during their playoff run, one of his plays, it was a 54, I believe, yard uh, kick return, really kind of changed the game for uh, for the Kansas City Chiefs versus the Texans. And, you know, it kind of really jump-started their whole offensive approach. But he's a guy who can get down the field so quickly and so smoothly that, you know, while you're worried about Travis Kelsey, while you're worried about Tyreek Hill, while you're worried about Sammy Watkins, while you're worried about, you know, Damian Williams out of the backfield, all of a sudden, McCole Hardman sitting in the end zone get, catching a touchdown pass. So that's probably a guy, since he's so young, he's only going to be a second-year guy, I'm probably the guy I'd give the love to. I love that. I mean, it's such a luxury to have that guy, you know, be whatever option he is on that offense. I mean, just ridiculous how many weapons they've had there. But as far as a young guy, you have to love what they've seen from him after only one year, especially with, you know, some decisions they have to make in free agency and as far as bringing guys back. But I'm going to go the opposite way. I'm going to go with an older guy that I know is definitely near and dear to Cody Rourke. And I'm going a little off the board because I'm going with Derek Wolf. I just love the way that Derek Wolf plays the game and whether it's the production or not, but he is always a vocal leader. He has had, you know, shouting matches with Philip Rivers. He'll tell somebody he's going to eat their babies. And I know that seems like a weird thing to love, <laughs> but when you're talking about a ferocious defensive lineman and a guy who's going to energize your defense and just that sort of toughness that he brings to them, especially on the interior of the defensive line, which is something the Chargers have lacked in recent years. I absolutely love Derek Wolf. I've always loved the way that he's prepared. I've always loved the way he's gone about his game. And the fact that he can, you know, be a trash talker, but every single guy on that defense, Cody, knows he's going out there to kill someone on every play, and he's going to give it his absolute 100%. So I've always had a huge respect from him for him from afar. I'm glad you brought up the whole, you know, uh, telling Philip Rivers, I will eat your children. That uh, definitely, <laughs> I know that's something that garnered a lot. That was just one of those things that came out of nowhere. And everybody was like, well, did he really say that to him? And and so those guys are always jawing at each other. Uh, you know, for me, if I looked at it, I mean, I wish I could choose a coach. If I were to choose a coach, I I tell you what, I, I love John Gruden. I mean, my favorite play is Spider 2 Y Banana. I mean, this guy, he's on the open post route. And I mean, that's the, my little impersonation there of John Gruden. I love John Gruden. Um, I'd choose him. But if I I had to look at a player that I really respect and admire that I feel like is a difference maker. I mean, there's players all across the board. As, as Q had mentioned, uh, Patrick Mahomes, he's a very special talent. But for me, I'm going to go with the, the Chargers. And defensively, I absolutely love watching Derwin James play football. Uh, he reminds me a lot of a shoulder uh, hitman and shoulder pads. And the way that he reads, Davis, he's smart. He's the smartest football player on the field when it comes to the Chargers defense. And uh, I, I think that the NFL missed out on him. I mean, his rookie season, I felt like he was a defensive player of the year candidate. I really felt 
Seattle. He has strong chance at that. Um, obviously, I feel like he was an offensive defensive player of the year as well. Um, he's a tremendous talent. I think his future is very bright. And unfortunately, the Broncos are going to have to go against him two times per year for a long time. Uh, but definitely a lot of respect when it comes to Derwin James and the Los Angeles Chargers. And ladies and gentlemen, I just want to say that you guys are also our Valentines. And we really appreciate you guys all week long. It's been our ultimate AFC West division crossover. You've heard from Lockdown Broncos, Lockdown Chiefs, Lockdown Raiders, Lockdown Chargers all week long here. And we're going to be coming back in June for another Lockdown AFC West crossover because the free agency period will happen. The NFL draft would have already happened. And we have a different idea about where our team is headed going into the 2020 season. So you guys can expect another AFC West division crossover show coming up your way here in June. Thank you guys so much. We want to know what you guys thought all week long about the crossover show. Did you love it? Uh, what was something that you wish we would have touched on a little bit more? Fire away your replies and comment on the shows once we post them on the social media sphere. But ladies and gentlemen, I'm Cody Rourke, host of Lockdown Broncos. Speaking for Daniel Wade, host of the Lockdown Chargers podcast. Speaking for your boy Q host of the Lockdown Raiders podcast and obviously a shout out to Ryan Tracy host of Lockdown Chiefs we appreciate you guys and we will see you on Monday for another episode of your respective show here on the Lockdown NFL Network all right so there it was right there the full week is finito it is finished it is a done deal done data ultimate division crossover I mentioned earlier in the show we will do it again in June but hopefully you enjoyed what you got this week and I did get a lot of good feedback so I'm uh, glad to know that a lot of people did appreciate that before we close out the show today let me go ahead and jump into a couple real quick calls T3 Raider Facts is going to start us off he's calling with his five quick hits of the day talking Josh Jacobs Lamar Houston Miles Garrett Amari Cooper and Black History Month. Here's T3 Raider Facts. This is T3 Raider Facts with my five quick hits of the day. Number one, if you followed my birthday shout-outs, you probably know that I have not been including current Raider players on that list. But having said that, I wanted to send out special happy birthday wishes to second-year man Josh Jacobs. In his young life, he's seen a lot of good and bad, and he's brought both class and toughness to the organization. And while I'm not setting a precedent for the rest of the Raider players and their birthdays, I kind of felt this one needed to be acknowledged. Happy birthday to the true O-R-O-Y. Number two, happy retirement to Raiders defensive end Lamar Houston. Played his first four years with the Silver and Black coming out of the 2010 draft, then followed that up with three years in Chicago. But he's retiring as a Raider, which I think is only fitting. Now, the one question I have, and it's totally rhetorical, is this. Who will be the first player to eventually retire as a Las Vegas Raider? I wonder. Number three, Miles Garrett got reinstated by the NFL. He got less than a season for a non-football action that could have maimed or at least seriously injured another player. Tom Brady got four games for the inflation of footballs. Vontez Burfecht lost most of his season for an actual football move that many consider to be not all that egregious, but many also agree that this was kind of a lifetime achievement sentence. I'm growing tired of the inconsistency and questionable fairness of Goodell and the ruling body. Improved refs and a new commission. Two things I'd like to see very soon. Number four, Mari Cooper out of Dallas. I've been hearing some rumblings that Mr. Cooper isn't going to get the big payday that he wants, and the two bird teams, Cardinals and Eagles specifically, may come calling with some bigger money. If all that's true, then the Raiders really did fleece the Cowboys out of a number one draft pick. It'll be interesting to see what happens, and also interesting to see if the Cowboys will use that number 17 pick to grab a replacement for number 19. Number five, as we celebrate Black History Month, take a look at how Al Davis and the Raiders' commitment to equal opportunity will forever have an impact on pro football. If you go into Raiders.com, you'll feel the pride and the poise to a pioneer who said these words. It's not important to be consistent. It's important to be right. The words of Al Davis. Perhaps many people within government and within society could take that cue. 
All right. This is T3 out. Passion always outlives fashion. Thank you so much for that call, my man. Appreciate you. Have a good weekend. Definitely uh, good to hear from you again. And let's close things out with Jordan from Oregon calling in to talk about free agency instead of the draft, since that does come up before the draft, and ask a question to Raider Nation. Here's Jordan from Oregon going to close us out today. Hey, what up, Q? Jordan in Oregon. Hey, loving the podcast again, man. Thursday edition was off the, off the hook. Um, anyway, I wanted to call in. I feel like a lot of the the uh, um, talk right now has been based off the draft, and I've been loving it. Um, brought up Daniel Jeremiah. Uh, he's going to have his draft talk coming up on the 21st, and breaking down some players. I'm really looking forward to that. I think that'd be really cool if you could somehow incorporate some of the the players uh, that some of us have been kind of honing in on. Um, with that, with that being said, I kind of wanted to put the draft aside for a second and just ask a question. Um, with free agency coming around the corner, I look, it's right in the middle of March here. I mean, we're just not, we're, we're smack dab a month out right now. Um, I just want to ask everybody, because I know it's going to affect the draft so much. Um, it's easy to hone in on the draft. But right now, what is your biggest position that you'd like to see the Raiders go after um, aggressively in free agency? Um Mine is, I would like to see them go after a big-name defensive player, whether that's a linebacker um, or, or or possibly a big-name DN. I know Clowney's on the market. Um, that's just one name out there. But I would love it if they could make some sort of splashy move on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, even, even a big-name corner or safety would be great. I know that's pretty broad range, but um, with free agency, you kind of got to look that way. It's, it's, is you look at the players and and what players can fit the scheme and are going to be a good long-term fit. Um, I remember Reggie always brought up it's hard to find a good free agent because they're free agents for a reason, and to find a good young player in free agency is very rare. And so I hope they do with their due diligence to get us a really good, flashy defensive player. Um, with that being said, I also hope that they take a look at A.J. Green. I know a lot of people are – saying he's not worth it, he's been injury-prone, stay away from him. I think even you, Q, you said stay away. But I think that could be that could drive down his price. And a lot of people forget, but even with Andy Dalton, he put up some career uh, numbers that would have would have definitely been uh, good number one receiver numbers with the Raiders. And I'm not saying he has to be the number one, but let's say you did have him, Tyrell Williams, Hunter Renfro, and one of the first-rounders, whether it be uh, – Jerry Judy or C.D. Lamb, I mean, you're talking there'd be no excuses for whoever's uh, playing quarterback for the Silver and Black. Anyway, just getting really excited for uh, free agency. I'm really going to start diving into that, probably more so than the draft. But hope you're having a good day. Peace out, Raider Nation. Good question, my man. What position do you want to see the Raiders go after in free agency? And for me, it's got to be defense. I mean, you touched on it, but I think the Raiders could bring in offensive weapons in the draft. Matter of fact, I know they could bring in offensive weapons in the draft, but the defense needs to be addressed. Similar to what the Raiders did with the O-line in 2019, bringing in Trent Brown, that was major, helped out the offensive line in a major way. That defense needs to be addressed. I, for my money... Defensive line, either interior or outside. You can go with Chris Jones if he becomes available with Kansas City. I, I like that idea. Or, you know, the guy I've been pounding the table for anyway, on the edge, Yannick Ngakwe from the Jaguars. I'd be I'd be thrilled if the Raiders were able to pick up one of those two guys. But uh, those are the key targets for me. Possibly linebacker like Corey Littleton from the Rams. Those, again, are all my main targets, and they're all defensive. And, yes, 
uh, Jordan, stay away from A.J. Green. I, I know you might be able to get him cheaper, but he's injury prone. He's injury waiting to happen. Don't do it. So uh, that's just my thoughts. I'm sure Raider Nation will have their own. 707-654-4693. That's going to do it for the week. I'm off to Getterman Stadium. I got to do uh, Baylor PA softball all weekend long. Ten games I got to do in this tournament. So uh, your boy will be tired. But we'll be back on Monday uh, talking all things Raiders and uh, have a lot of good stuff to talk about here on the Locked On Raiders podcast. As always, just win, baby.